0: fulfill our purpose to make disciples, right, to glorify God by making disciples, and that's a disciple is just a follower of Christ, so we, we make that in a sense when we're here together or in homes together gathering, and we're encouraging one another to grow in our discipleship, like um, Jesus said in the Great Commission, go, right, um, go and make disciples is the command of the Great Commission, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything, right? So we make disciples when we're here together and when we're gathered in homes over meals or out and about, whatever that is, amongst ourselves by teaching each other, by encouraging each other, um, to, gr- to grow in obedience, to grow in love for God. Um, and today we're going to be looking at how do we do that through growth together. So not just My own personal growth, I need to make sure that my walk with the Lord is in line and growing, but I also need to make sure that your personal walks with the Lord are alive and growing as well. And so we're going to look at this text in Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 5 to see what the Apostle Paul says about that. Now, these dynamics of group life are—it's—it's it's pretty exciting and interesting when you think about it, right? Um, if the Lord of the Flies, right? If you haven't read the book, maybe you've seen the the movie. There's uh, there is this aspect of group that can bring out the absolute worst in us as sinners, right? For any of you that have a family, you know that same thing, and you all have some measure of of family, right? Um, but we find it in stories like Lost. One of the reasons why the TV show, um, the series Lost, was so interesting was the group dynamic and how do people relate to each other. And so we could imagine for this morning, like we are stranded on a desert island. Like I know already that Joe Coper is John Locke, um, for any of you who have seen it, i 'm kidding, I have to pick on Joe every time i preach it 's just what i do uh, this is we 're talking about how to help each other grow, right um, <clears throat> No, but Im- imagine that we're we 're in the mountains right so i 'm from Wyoming, lots of mountains, lots of backpacking opportunities, lots of outdoorsy things that people can like to do i 'm not one of them, but um, imagine that we 're all on a a, a, a really, really long backpacking trip, okay? Su- we need to succeed as a group. It's, it's really important, right? It's not every man for himself. Would we be expected to help one another out? Absolutely, absolutely, we would have to. Some people would have a strength in one area, others in another area, and we would use all of those strengths, all of those gifts, talents, Um, to push the whole group forward. You need everybody there. It can't fall on just a few people to make sure the whole group succeeds. And that's what we can see here in these verses. So let me go ahead and and read these. um, Because there's an aspect of, it's going to be a little... A little shaky, I'm not gonna lie, right? This not these verses aren't all easy to to understand, but there's gonna be this aspect of growth both as the the main thrust is we have to grow as a group, but you also are responsible for yourself. Okay, it's interesting how they're they're pieced together. So let me go ahead and read and then we'll pray and ask the Lord to to speak through me and to speak to each of our hearts to convict us and to Cause us to obey, right? That's the, the purpose of why we're here listening to me. It's not just to hear interesting thoughts from somebody. I'm not that interesting, right? But God's given us his word to help us to grow, to strengthen us, to make our life better. Here's what Paul says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. God, I'm not going to lie, um, these verses oftentimes to me feel like a contradiction. It feels like you're calling us to take, take care of each other, but um, take care of ourselves. And I know that in America we have this, this very individualistic mentality of each man for himself, each unit, family unit, each little group for itself, but that is not how you've called your church to function. So I pray that you would help us to navigate this, um, not only with our minds as we try to understand what Paul was saying to the the churches in Galatia in that region, but also, God, that you would um, help our hearts to navigate it, to know what you're teaching us, what we need to repent of, what we need to change in our daily life um, to follow you more closely, because that is why we're here. That's why we exist if we are disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, we exist. Our, our sole purpose is to glorify you through multiplying, through making disciples, through strengthening each other and through taking the message of the gospel that brings life to dead sinners and brings hope to hopeless souls um, to, to our body here and to the entire world. So, Spirit, speak through me, speak to me, speak to each one of us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to learn from you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, if, if you're like me, when you, when you read uh, a text, you start to ask questions. And the first few verses here, um, there's, there are a lot of questions that we would have to ask um, because there's a lot of ambiguity in it. There's a lot of things that feel kind of vague. Like, as I, as I read um, verses one and two, I thought, well, what does he mean when he uses the word caught? If anyone is caught in transgression, what is spiritual? You who are spiritual, restore such a one. Who are these spiritual people? There's lots of different ways we can understand that. What does it mean to keep? Watch, lest you too be tempted. What are the burdens, the type of burdens, that we need to care, that we need to carry for each other, help each other with? Thankfully for me, right, for you listening too, I'm sure, um, just a, a little bit of research into these words helped clear up some of the English language ambiguity. And again, if anybody ever tells you that the, the interpretation of a certain verse hinges on one little Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic or some little detail um, that it changes the whole meaning of a whole set of verses because of this one little thing, you should be wary of that, right? Because Greek and Hebrew are languages like English and they're vague like English and there's subtlety that we need to take into account. But here, um, trust me, no, I'm just kidding, um, <laughs> Forget what I just said, no. But here, the, 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 these ambiguities are clarified by just a little bit of looking into it. And so, the caught, right? When I asked myself, what does it mean, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, I'm thinking, does that mean like ensnared in it or found out, like they're doing it secretly and somebody comes upon them, shines a light, and is like, ha, caught you, you little rascal, right? Right. Um, so, but it just means if anybody stumbles into sin in a surprising way. So you're caught up in it. You're not really doing it on purpose. You just find yourself swept up in some sort of sinful pattern of thought or behavior or, or whatever. And so here, when Paul is saying, if anyone is caught up in any trans you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. He's saying, you know, if you're looking at each other's lives and you see see somebody being kind of caught up in some sin, then you have to help restore them, right? It's, It's not necessarily that they're actively seeking to disobey, to separate themselves. So the way that I thought of it is, it's not so much somebody who is a serial adulterer, right? Who is like marriage vows? I don't care. It's more like the situation of you know somebody who has a coworker. There maybe uh, they and their wife are having a frustrating time, and then you start to notice they talk about their coworker in a really positive way, and they start to think their coworker, oh, they this woman really understands me, or. You know, they don't really realize what possibilities lie in the future, but they're getting to a point where they're getting caught in sin maybe, right? So we're just looking out for each other in that way. So it's, you know, don't think, okay, if so-and-so goes out and steals a car, yeah, I need to tell him that stealing a car is wrong. It's, it's a lot more subtle than that. Sin is a lot more deep in our hearts than we'd like to To think, we don't like to we like to say we're sinners, but we don't like to say to to what point we are. Um, So that's the first thing that that I I saw here is that it's like caught up in a surprising way. If any of you are caught in any transgression, excuse me. Then this idea of you who are spiritual restore. Now we we like to think of church in terms of um, categories. So there are um, winners and losers, sort of. We don't put it in those terms, right? But we say there are really spiritual people, and then there are the rest of us. Some people classify it as there are pastors or priests or whatever, professionals, and then the rest of us. But that's not what he's saying. This is like spirit people, people of the spirit. He's not saying if anyone is caught up in any transgression The people who are really deep need to go restore them. He's saying, if anyone is caught in any transgression, the people of the Spirit of God need to restore them. Right? So, um, that, that helped clarify some things for me. It's not for the professionals. It's not for the experts. It's for the people who claim to be Christ followers who are inhabited by the Spirit of God. Um, and then uh, this idea of keep watch—it's not like um, we're the, the sin police, like looking for okay, 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 okay. Oh, there's one, got you, found it out, you're a sinner. Um, it's just being vigilant, right? It's it's so important that we just need to be aware of the fact that sin—it's—it's it's like the devil goes about like a roaring lion all the time, and this is something that we have to always be aware of. We need to keep vigilant um, for others, right? Brothers, if anybody, if anyone is caught up in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are people of the Spirit, um, restore them in uh, in a spirit of gentleness and be vigilant on yourself as well, right? So you're not just looking out for them, you're looking for you. And now the idea of burdens, and this is, this is where we're going to find a little bit of uh, wordplay in how Paul talks about bearing each other's burdens, and then in a few verses he says, for each one will have to bear his own load. Um, these burdens is just daily concerns, right? Just the way that you and I would say, a uh, soul's burdened. Um, well, she's got a lot of she's got a lot of burdens. Um, I know people. Uh, I talked to somebody this past week who just has so much going on in their life, and I can really say um, this family has a lot of burdens, and they need some help carrying it. Just daily um, concerns. So this picture then is brothers, be on the lookout amongst our group here for any sin, right? Not to be the sin police of, ha, I caught you. You know, we've got a detective and police officer in our church and they would love to find us out, I'm sure. But they have no idea how, how terribly wicked each of you are. I know, I know because I'm, I'm your pastor. No, I'm kidding. No, I know because I'm a sinner like you. I know the twisted things that you guys think and feel and how you are. Um, I, read, I read the Bible and I know what it says about me and I, so I know what it says about you. Um, but this, this idea is we're looking out for each other. We're looking out for ourselves, um, and we're doing it for the sake of holiness, right? God cares a lot about holiness. So we should care about it in our own lives. Like in first Thessalonians chapter four, Paul talks about, um, uh, being in control of your body, um, uh. Not going into sexual immorality. This is the will of God, he says. Your sanctification. You're being made more like Christ. Um, A little bit less inclined to sin. A little bit more inclined to fellowship with God. Uh, In Hebrews, it talks about um, uh, strive for holiness without which you won't see the Lord. It's important. Paul is just saying, here's a group together. If we're going to be about glorifying God through making disciples, we have to be about growing in holiness. Not just in my own life, like Jeremy talked about last week, but together. In, In your lives, I need to care whether or not you're growing in holiness. In my life, you all need to care if I'm growing. So, um, it's, it's not so much the, the depth of the sin, right? It's not, oh, we need to make sure that nobody in our church is having an affair, which, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's, that's not an issue. We need, to, we need to nip the problem in the bud. Be looking out for where we may be falling into sin, being caught up in sin, and help restore each other in a spirit of gentleness, it's not about the level of the sin in terms of good, you know, sins that are tolerable, respectable, and sins that aren't. It's, uh, it's about our involvement in each other's holiness in our lives. Um, we need that. We care um, not only about each other, but we care for each other. So, brothers, is what Paul is saying to us. <clears throat> if any of us is caught in any transgression... People of the Spirit of God who claim to be Christ's followers, restore that person, restore each of us in a spirit of gentleness, keeping a watch on your own soul too, not just outside on the other people. We need to carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It shouldn't surprise us that Paul sums up our taking care of each other in this way, our looking out for each other in terms of love, carrying each other's burdens, and fulfilling the law of Christ. That's a a summary that is often made. Um, Just up in chapter 5, verse 14, Paul said, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. In Romans 13, he talks about love is the fulfilling of the law. When Jesus was asked um, to teach Moses on one leg, it was what the Pharisees would kind of ask each other as they they debate. What's the the one thing about the law of God? If you had to say, what what does it mean to, to obey Yahweh in one sentence? And he said, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Which is just what Moses taught in Deuteronomy, right? Nothing new here, nothing new. If we're going to be about growing as a community of Christ followers, we have to love each other. And love just doesn't mean fuzzy feelings. Love means Carrying each other's burdens, whether that's our sufferings or whether that's our sin, right? We can't. I can't carry your sin in terms of paying for it, but I can show you. I see this in your life, and um, I'm asking you to ask God how um, if that's a snare to you. Okay, we need that. That's part of what it means to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> Now, as Paul moves on, honestly, this, it, it's, it's real difficult for me, right, to, to kind of follow his, his logic here, but it makes more sense if we turn it on its head a little bit. So instead of starting at verse 3, I'm going to start at verse 5 and see his, his explanation. Because it seems like he's advocating in verse 1 and 2, this very collective, communal, you live together, you help each other, and then all of a sudden in verse 3, he's like, you know, it's like he puts on a Harley Davidson vest. and It's like, hey, you take care of number one. <laughs> you know, you, you, you look out for yourself, and you make sure your reputation is good, and you don't worry about them. That's kind of what it feels like. Of course, I'm making a caricature, and if you wear a Harley vest, I'm not saying anything bad about that. I'm just trying to be careful that we don't insert our understanding into the text here. <clears throat> but for me, it's telling when he says um, each will have to bear his own load. It helps me understand um, how relationally charged and loaded this letter to the, Galat- to the Galatians really is. Throughout the whole letter, you have this complex these complex interactions of different people and different mentalities. You have Paul and Peter who are apostles of Christ, right? So in our minds, we learn on felt boards when we're little kids that they're like the best, right? Like, you want to be like Peter and like Paul, especially like Paul. And yet you have Peter falling into um, caring about what the Pharisees or the, the, the believers who were influenced by the Pharisees who were saying, no, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised, right? You, you people who are non-Jew Christians, you got to be circumcised, you got to do ceremonial washings, you got to do all these things if you're going to be part of the people of God. And Paul says, I, I corrected him to his face. I stood up. In church, right? This would have been their like Lord's supper type of meal gathering, and he says, "Peter, you're a hypocrite," right? Paul is just doing what he says here, right? Now it's not just uh, standing up and being bold for the truth, um, but Paul is saying, "Okay, in how you interact with each other, you're free from the law. You're free. No more in in chapter. <clears throat> excuse me, in chapter." Four, he talks about um, these these teachers who say you need to be circumcised, you need to obey the law, stuff like that. Um, He says, these teachers, they make much of you. They give you compliments. They're like, wow, you're such a good student, such a good follower. You want to obey God's law. But he says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out so that you make much of them. So they want you to be the student, the pupil, the teacher, the follower, so that you'll come back around and say, wow, bravo. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this amazing teacher, right? Paul's saying, you're free from them. You're free from being under their their thumb, from under their rule. But in your freedom... Verse 13, you were called, or chapter 5, verse 13, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. You still have an obligation to love people. You can't use your freedom, and so this is where the complexity of all these relationships, how do we live together as a church, gets really complicated and really <clears throat> messy. Now, as we go about and obey what Paul is saying about, um, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. We're kind of looking out for them, looking out for ourselves. Keep watch, lest you too be tempted. We're carrying one another's burdens. As we interact and we're focused on each other, it would be very easy to think only about those people, right? It'd be very easy to start to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. It'd be very easy to justify my sin and say, well, you know what? I've been kind of angry lately and short-tempered, but, you know, so-and-so has just been going boating every weekend, and I've at least been in church, you know? I mean, granted, it's it's part of my work, (laughs) but... That's beside the point. Um, It'd be easy to start looking at each other and comparing. And that's part of why I feel like Paul says, um, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work. Um, For each will have to bear his own load. In verse five, and this is where when we're talking about carrying each other's burdens, this idea of each one carries their own load is this. We each have our own responsibility. This is a different word from, um, each, from we have to carry each other's burdens and, each, and uh, each will carry his own load. They're different words and one means kind of like cares and concerns. The other is like a load of something. So if we're going back to our backpack analogy, we would, we're on a backpacking trip Together And Paul is saying, um, look out and see where you can help each other out. Carry each other's burdens. Um, We're going up Mount Everest or something together. And we have to help each other out. But each person has their own backpack. Loaded with their own weight. And there's a type of load that only you can carry as an individual. Right? So I can't go up. To, um, I can't go up to Bob Evenson as we're going up Everest and he's charging the way up there because I know Bob's adventurous spirit. And we, he, he can't say, Mike, I see that you are, I'm, I'm being vigilant on myself and I'm looking, to, looking out to see if there are any problems amongst the group. <clears throat> um, he can't say, Mike, I'll take your backpack for you. Let me lighten that load for you. He can't do it. Each one will have to bear their own load. He can say, Mike, um, y- use your hiking poles or something, and it'll take some of the strain off of whatever. He can say, why don't you take a break? But he can't take the load. Each one will have to bear his own load. And when, when we look, I wanna, that's why I want to flip it on the head there. When we see that There is, right? We have a responsibility to help each other grow in discipleship, in our following of Jesus Christ. We have that responsibility. Paul makes it clear. Carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But each one of us, every single individual here, has their own load that they have to carry. They have their own responsibility that is only with God. Nobody can give it to you. Your your parents can't give it to you. Your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your whatever can't give it to you. Your pastor can't give it to you. Nothing can give it to you except for God. You bear the weight of your personal, am I right with God? Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, this takes, this takes away the, the ch- any chance that we have, right? So that when he says, every one of you test your work, this takes away my, as I'm looking for sins in others for the purpose of growing our congregation, this takes away any chance that I can um, start to evaluate how am I doing based on how are they doing, right? I, I can't... Um, if, if I fall into a sin, I'm ensnared in a sin, and they fail to um, carry my burden in that, in that sense, encourage me to go back to Christ. Brother, I see this in your life. I can't say, it's your fault that I cheated on my wife. I can't say, it's your fault that I got so angry that I kicked a hole in my wall. I can't say, it's your fault that I did this. It's your fault. No, I bear my own load before God my sin is my sin it's not our sin let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor now like that it it feels kind of convoluted to go about it that way right if it feels like it's um it's it's hard to understand and it is it is right Anytime that we are trying to live together, it's messy and it's muddy and I do it. I am guilty of looking to the group of people, the group of believers where God has me and making excuses for my sin because of them. I do it in my family. I do it in our congregation. I'm guilty of it and I need to remember I have to bear my own load in that. My sin is my sin. Now you are all here to remind me of that, to remind me of, Mike, I see that sin. Let me help you process it. Let me help you remember that Jesus Christ paid for it, right? You all carry your own load, but I can help take some of the burden of thinking about it, processing it, um, applying the blood of Christ to it, right? It's already applied if you're in Christ, but reminding you that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation, things like that. In, in chapter five, verse 25, um, Paul says this, if we live by the Spirit, this is just in the verses previous to what we just read, um, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This, is why I, this is why I feel justified in thinking that this is what Paul is getting at when he says each one will have to bear his own load, test your own work, make sure that if you're going to say, oh, bravo, pat myself on the back, you're doing it for the right reason, um, is because we're so, we're so prone to doing it when he says, let us not become conceited, excessively prideful, um, provoking one another, envying one another, these are things that describe how we relate to each other so often right do you ever look at somebody and not so you know i'm confessing here that i do this right ever talk to somebody and think um i know more than this person so of course i'm right right or i don't even have to listen to what they're saying because they're this or that you know whatever it is you all know how you are um But the the point is, is um, we constantly need each other to help each other to grow, right? So that I can get over my selfishness, my excessive pride that maybe thinks, wow, Mike is a good little law keeper, or so-and-so is a good little law keeper, or um, whatever that may be. um, We can end up, have you ever seen people in church sort of like jockey for well, I'm going through my Bible in a year plan. This has nothing to do with our conversation at the Men's Bible Study. Um, I've been going through the Bible in a year plan and then somebody's like, oh yeah, well, I'm doing it in six months. And then another person is like, that's nothing. I've read through it every year for the last 14 years. And then another person is like, oh, well, I'm doing it in Hebrew and Greek. Um, yeah, it's like provoking each other, but you're not helping each other. You're not encouraging each other, find life in the word, find some meat there to give you energy to go about your day. You're just provoking one another, envying one another, and being conceited, thinking more of yourself than you should. Now, um, we, we can't look to others to be puffed up about ourselves, to be envious of them, um, or provoking one another. We, we have to look to our own work, and we have to we have to compare it to the right measure. I can't compare um, my work to any of your work. I have to compare it to Christ. I have to compare it to God's standard. That's, that's, that's important. Um, now, all this as we prepare for the Lord's Supper and all, all of this is to say, um, Memorial Baptist Church, we have to look out for each other. Okay, we we have to um, take these verses. Brothers, if any of you is caught up in transgression, um, we as the spirit-filled people of God need to restore each other in a spirit of gentleness. We have to be vigilant that we don't fall into the same sins because we're tempted the same way as everybody else that we're looking out for we have to carry one another's burdens because we're going to have to answer to God for it. Now, as I think, how can, um, how can we apply that? Um, here are a few thoughts that I had with a few scriptures. Um, first, if you do see sin in others, help nip it in the bud. Okay, We're, we're all good, I'm trying to adapt to your good Midwestern culture that is very kind and smiles a lot and does this a lot. Um, but we, if we see sin in somebody's life, we have to, we have to talk about it with them, okay? Um, that means also that if somebody comes to us in a spirit of gentleness, right, um, we can't be like, what? Who made you Pharisee over me? What? You know, it's, this takes some, relationships are complicated and it takes building trust, To be able to do that, but this is something we have to do if we're going to obey what Paul says. In Hebrews 13, or Hebrews 3, 13 says this. This is a verse that um, we've been thinking about with a couple of guys that I've met with. Um, Says this but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of Sin. We need to take care, um, the author says in another passage, that, um, that there's not found in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart like those who perished in the wilderness. He's talking about in, in Moses' time. So, first thing that we can do is if we see sin in each other, we need to address it. I've seen this played out and I've seen good fruit from it. Um, just this morning, I talked to somebody and I'm going to ask them to do that very thing. Look at me, and do you see anything I need to repent of? In our men's Bible study from two weeks ago, the pastor who does the videos, he said, make sure you find men that you can um, ask them, do I need to repent of anything, right? This is a good, a good practice for us if we are going to learn to bear one another's burdens to make sure that we don't fall into sin, to ask each other, keep me accountable, keep me accountable. Um, the second thing that we can do is not just look out for each other, but just to remember we have to look out for ourselves too. Second Corinthians 13, <clears throat> 5 says this, um, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, Right? None of us is beyond asking ourselves daily this question. God, is there fruit in my life that matches up with a repentant heart? I don't mean um, doubting your salvation every day. I mean, just daily, we have to come to God and say, God, if there's any wicked way in me, take it out. Right? That is gonna help us as we see our own sin when we approach other people and say, I see this in your life. I want you to prayerfully consider that um, you may need to repent of this. That person is gonna receive you a lot better if you're doing it in your own life, right? Romans 13, um, I think it's Romans 13, 14 says, uh, make, um, put on the, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no occasion for the flesh, Okay? Daily, this is what we need to do. If we're going to obey what Paul says here, we look out for others, nip sin in the bud, and we look out on ourselves. We examine ourselves, and we make no occasion for the flesh, for sin to rear its head and to topple our lives. Um, thirdly, we need to actually bear each other's burdens. In 1 first, first Thessalonians uh, 5, I just, I love. The, um, the spirit of Paul as he, he's talking about the, the believers there. He says, um, starting in verse 12, first lesson 5, 12 through 24, he says, we, "'We ask you, brothers, "'to respect those who labor among you "'and are over you in the Lord "'and admonish you "'and to esteem them very highly in love "'because of their work. "'Be at peace among yourselves. "'And we urge you, brothers, "'admonish the idol encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. That's what it looks like to bear one another's burdens, like Paul's saying in Galatians 6. It means being patient with each other. It means being forbearing. It means admonishing each other, which is like a little bit stronger um, encouragement, right? So if, in this case, admonish the idol. These are people in, in Thessalonians who were saying, Jesus is coming back. I don't need to work. Basically, they thought he was coming back right away, and they stopped working. And he says, admonish the idol, right? Be patient with the, the weak encourage the faint-hearted. This is what like that's what it's like to look out for each other and to bear each other's burdens. And lastly, um, this type of obedience to, to what Paul is saying here in Galatians it preaches. Okay, um, if if there is one flaw that um, the sort of uh, and I'm 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 being careful on how I say this because I don't want you to read too much into it. I'm just saying in cons- conservative theologically like about what the Bible teaches, um, Western American Bible churches, if there's, if there's one thing that we do really well, it's we learn lots of knowledge and we are happy that we learned lots of things but we don't do it. So Jer- if you remember, Pastor Jeremy put a video on once of a girl who, um, you know, she, they're talking about the great commission. Are you actually doing it and not just saying, yes, I believe that Jesus said, go and make disciples. And it was a father and his daughter. And the father said, go clean your room. And she's on the couch. And he's like, did you clean your room? She's like, no, not yet. Um, he's like, well, why, why not? She's like, well, um, I, um, I took an hour and I prayed about it and I talked about it with my small group and they really helped me kind of work through some of the reasons why I'm not cleaning my room and how I need to be more clean and more thankful that my parents told me to clean it and everything. And he's like, but did you clean it? She's like, no, but I did uh, translate it into Greek and memorize it in Greek and you know, just avoiding actually doing it. And this is something that we're really, really prone to here. But if we do what Paul says here, it is going to preach, okay? It is going to say that we actually believe what we say we believe. Everybody here who has said something like a sinner's prayer has confessed to being a sinner. So, why is it that we're so surprised when somebody comes to us, maybe, and says, I see the sin in your life? We shouldn't be surprised. We're sinners, right? But when we do this, when we, when we restore somebody who is caught up in some transgression, um, in a spirit of gentleness, we're telling each other, you need Jesus, I need Jesus. You're telling anybody from the outside, these people need Jesus. And what are we supposed to tell the world when we're called to go and make disciples? You need Jesus. There is a wrath from God, Right? It is being stored up, and it's growing and growing. The the feeling is like a dam, right? And wrath is just building up on the other side of this dam. And the world is like the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dam, saying, well, no, it's not that bad. My sin's not affecting me too bad, or uh, that's how we do it in the church. They're like all these Christians saying I need to turn from my sin and believe in Jesus, whatever. But it's actually building up. And what are we doing to show them that the, the, the wrath of God is real? It's not enough to go and tell them, you sinners, you're going to hell. You're, you know, abomination this, abomination that. What, you know? It's not enough to go be fiery and stand on soapboxes at the university and tell all these liberals, well, let me tell you what. You know what's going to preach to them? Showing, I need Jesus. That's how I know that you need Jesus. We live it out together. Um, in when there's sin amongst us, we call each other on it. And we don't hold it against each other. We rejoice because we grow in holiness. Um, in 1 Peter 3, uh, when this is Peter's writing to people who he's asking them to submit to a terribly wicked, persecuting government. And he says this, now who is there? In chapter 3, verse 13, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good, right? Well, if you're a Christian in a place like, like the Roman Empire this time, everybody is going to harm you for obeying God. They don't like it. They called you an atheist because you don't worship all their gods. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you what? For a reason for the hope that lies within you. When we do this together, we grow in our hatred of sin, in our trying to take it out of our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters, we're telling the world we're just living out exactly what God said. And I can have hope when I hear about God's wrath because guess what? The Bible says um, that the one who's believed in Christ and put their faith in him, he will never turn away. Right? I If... If um, hardship, there's nothing, there is no suffering, no political unrest, no spiritual unrest, no demons, no devil, no nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. It preaches to the world when, like in Second Corinthians 5, we who have been reconciled to God and reconciled to each other through this gospel. Um, <clears throat> we have a ministry of reconciliation that makes us ambassadors for God where we go to each other and, or where we go to the world and therefore, he says in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us to the world. We implore you on, the, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him Jesus Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, all I ask is that we take seriously Paul's words here, right? This goes for me. I've been repenting of this in my own own life. I've been sort of falling into, like lulled into a sort of like, Happiness with the way things are. Like contentment with just like, with meh. You know, whatever. That's not even a real word, but it's kind of like, meh. All right, that's okay. I can deal with this. And that's not what God asks us to do. He asks us, if anyone is caught in any transgression, restore such a one, right? You who are people of the spirit, that's me. That's you if you believe in Christ. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness, Bear one another's burdens. We have to do it because each of us has this load that we're going to have to give an account for, right? We're helping each other with our loads. You and I are on this backpacking trip up Everest, right? We know God is at the summit, and here we are with our load on, reminding it, saying, Hey, I notice your stride is like this. You know, it'll help you if you change it. Um, Hey, let's go arm in arm up this part. I can't carry your load, but I can help you move forward. That's what we're doing. That's what we're called to do. Now I know it's it's hard. Um, it it takes a real vulnerability to um, confess your sin, you know, one to another. But we're commanded to do it. Um, we're commanded to reciprocate when that happens. Um, so just be praying about God. How do I need to repent in this area? to grow in interacting with my brothers and sisters by helping them to overcome sin so that they can help me to overcome sin so that one day when we're in glory, we can say, God, you remember when my brothers and sisters helped me through this and it showed the power of your spirit working in the church the way that you said it should. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for um, all the people in my life up to this point who have um, done this very thing. Um, I'm thankful that they have spoken into my life in a way that kept me from um, falling into deeper sin. I'm thankful, um, God, for the times where I've not done it in the best, in the spirit of gentleness, the way that I was supposed to, and yet... Even there, your grace covers and your mercy covers, and um, reconciliation with those relationships only served to glorify you more, and those are friendships that I value um, as deeply as any in this world right now. God, in each of our hearts, as we prepare to um, to sing, as we prepare to receive um, Receive the the bread and the grape juice here, celebrating the Lord's Supper. Help us to be um, rejoicing as we sing together, as we come up to the table together, but also reflecting and thinking and asking you, God, um, how have I failed to live out this text? Help me to turn from selfishness. Help me to turn from fear of man. Help me to turn from comfort. Help me to turn away from whatever it is that we're prizing more. Than unity, more than growth and love, um, more than carrying each other 's burdens and help us to fulfill the calling that you 've given us to move forward as the body of Christ and to follow you. Thank you that um, we 're never going to perfectly do this, um, but we don 't have access to your favor to your love because of that. We only have access to your unending infinite love. Um, Uh, an an inheritance that is um, undefiled, incorruptible, and perfect in every way because Jesus Christ died for us to give us what we don't deserve. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.